Welcome to Incubate This, where technology and business come together to help startups start up. Brought to you by GodAndAppIdea.com. Hello, everybody. <laughs> idea, Daryl. Uh, Daryl told me to embrace the Irish, and so I figure I'm just going to make my hellos as outlandish as possible, and then try some you know. different languages. You know, I don't know, Asian, <gasps> Russian. Hola, todos amigos. <laughs> Hispanic. <laughs> All right, I'll have to work on that. Uh, hello, welcome back. This is uh, Grant, Daryl, and Cynthia from Rika Technologies and GodAndAppIdea.com, and this is Incubate This. And we were prompted... There's some things that have been going on in the news, um, and we've also been asked some questions about this by some of our entrepreneurs, and we wanted to take some time and talk about when do you hire employees and when should you use contractors? Um, and what, what are, you know, what's the difference between these things? What are, what are the benefits and the challenges of each? Um, and the reason that we kind of decided this might be the time, there's, there's this law that just got passed in California. Uh, and it, uh, the way that they phrase it is something like the gig economy or something like yeah. that. Uber driver. I think it was targeted at like Uber and Lyft drivers. Yeah. But the, the, the goal of this thing, I think it had to do with, they were trying to make sure that enough people were getting covered by insurance who maybe weren't before or something. But the, the ultimate aim of the law was to reclassify independent contractors from a very broad definition to a very, very, very narrow definition, essentially forcing a bunch of previously independent contractors to become employed by their companies, um, which has had a whole series of effects in the economy and probably will continue to do so. And there's there's some uh, like class action level lawsuits or challenges or whatever to try and get exceptions for various industries to this and, and yada, yada. And we, we could talk about that in a different episode. But What's interesting is the IRS actually does have a definition of an independent contractor and, and, or contractor, you know, independent contractor, contractor, it's all kind of the same. Whether, whether you use an independent contractor, which is a person acting as themselves, or you use a vendor contractor, which is a company that provides staffing for you. Um, but that definition is that you have to be self-directing. Uh, they can't tell you when or where to do your job, and they can't tell you the manner in which you do your job. Hmm. So, in fact, a lot of independent contractors and contracting companies and people who use independent contractors are violating the terms of the IRS independent contracting laws when they require that you show up in an office. Really? Yes. I, I'm just curious, this being California, how that applies to actors and actresses. Actors and actresses are not independent contractors. Okay. Um, they actually fall into, talent falls into something else. And it, it's, it has to do with the way that their contracts are written and things like that. They're basically saying, you're agreeing to show up on set these days and these oh, times. Okay. And we, yeah, it's, it's a little different. What about, what about authors uh, who, you know, I write an article for a magazine and the magazine says this has to be 3,000 words and it has to be on this subject and blah, blah, blah. Does that still? That is what you're producing. That's, again, part of your contract of what you're producing. Okay. They, they're not telling you where you're writing it, how you're writing it. Okay. Or, or, you know, if it's in longhand versus on your computer versus sure. on a typewriter or whatever, okay. as long as they aren't dictating how you complete the work, you can still be classified as an independent so contractor. This, this does seem to focus a little more back to the Uber and Lyft drivers where they're saying, ostensibly, um, 
Well, they're not really telling you where you can work. Uh, you're telling them where you will work. Um, yeah, I think I think Uber and Lyft are fighting this because they have real employees mm-hmm. and they don't consider drivers employees. It right. totally messes up their already broken like revenue <laughs> model. <laughs> and so I think they're they're looking at it as this becomes really expensive and there's no way we can ever make up for the differences. Like you've just taken out all of our economies, right? Yeah. That really don't exist anyway. So that makes me, I mean, I know this is a little bit of diversion, but that makes me wonder if the onus behind this law wasn't maybe the taxi companies who got fed up with trying to compete with Uber. The onus was literally the state of California was being overrun in their public health care system by people who couldn't afford private, you know, to, to be on their exchanges Okay. Um, and trying to force companies who have been wrongly classifying independent, con- you know, employees as independent contractors to avoid paying for things like healthcare benefits and things like that to force them to put these people into group policies. Yeah. That's where it all started. Okay. Yeah. And now you have all different kinds of industries that are saying we should be exempt and blah, blah, blah. And Uber and Lyft is the big one. Yeah. So, so that's kind of like, what the difference is an employee is literally someone who works for you. They work under your rules. You have more control. Um, you know, you provide their computer or car or yep, whatever. You provide all the tools with which they perform their jobs and you can absolutely say how they do it, when they do it in what manner they do it. You have a lot more recourse in a lot of ways, but there's also a lot more hoops, right? Like, if you let somebody go, they can file for unemployment and that comes out of your, that comes out of your company if that happens. So it's, it's an interesting conversation to have because when should you be hiring employees? When are contractors good enough? And if you're an entrepreneur or just starting a startup or even a, even a mature company, how do you know when, how do you know which one's right? You're looking at me as if I had the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I I'm mean, looking back. I know. Like, well, like tell us I don't the have the answer. <laughs> you know. Um, Read my face, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we've been exploring hiring some full-time people. So hiring actual employees in Yeah. Um, we have used contractors in the past. Um And I would say the biggest benefit with contractors is that when you use a contractor, there's like work they're producing usually for an hourly rate or an agreed upon wage. And so you're able to better quantify your expenses if you know what work is coming up. Mm -hmm. Now, you could contrast that by saying with an employee, you're always paying them the same every month or every two weeks or whatever your pay periods are. So it's easier to project what you need from a budgetary standpoint. Whereas if you all of a sudden have this huge influx of work and you hadn't planned on having to hire a contractor, but now you really need to. But then the flip side of that is usually if there's an influx of a bunch of work and you have to hire a contractor, usually that means there's definitely money to pay them. Right. So for me, I think this comes down to, do you have consistent, reliable cash flow? And do you have policies and procedures in place that it's really important are followed to the letter of the law and you need control over that? 
Because those really seem to be the things that are their two big differences. I'm just thinking of uh, a company that you and I both worked at in the past, and, and I'll name them because they don't exist anymore, but uh, Effective UI. Yeah. Uh, I worked there before you did. Did you and- get the invite on Facebook for the alumni reunion? No, and here's why. I was never an employee. I was always a, a contractor. And, and he's not on Facebook. That's right. And I'm not on Facebook. So oh, you were always reason. a contractor. And in fact, when I was there, I wanted to be a contractor. I really enjoyed working there for what I was working on. Yeah. Um, but I was told it at the time anyway, it was really, really hard to get hired on as a full-time employee there. Uh, and I'm guessing part of that was because... They don't want you coming to the party. They didn't want me coming to their <laughs> Facebook party. Little did they know. Um, but... Also because they did, they, the nature of their work ostensibly was they just didn't know. And, and even with me, I mean, there, it got to the point I worked there nine months and then they said, okay, we're done. We don't have any more work for you right now. Hopefully yeah. at the start of the year. And I think they came back and had a little bit of work, but I hadn't ended up having to go get another job because they just didn't have any more. Yeah. That uh, makes me, work. reminds me of when my first real programming was a, was contracting. And this was back when there weren't that many companies and um, when you were in between contracts, you got paid. You were on the bench. Oh. And if you were an employee of the contracting company, which I was, really? yeah. I got paid when I was in between contracts. I, they would, you know, I, I'm sure there was a limit They, you know, they probably talked to you about moving on if there were, you know, if it was more than six months, but there was a, you know, there were a couple times where I was weeks in between and they just paid you for 40 hours times what your normal rate wa- was. Huh. Oh, and they didn't give you a lesser rate. rate while you were on the bench? No, it was the really? same normal wow. rate. But you were an employee of the contracting company. I was an company. employee of the contracting mm-hmm. company. So, you know, my rate was negotiated with them. It didn't matter what the yeah. next contract was. Yeah. So it, it was handled very much. I mean, I was an employee. Yeah. I was a hired out employee. Yeah. So it was kind of a weird hybrid, I guess, yeah. of the two things because, you know, if I if I wanted more pay, it was more like, negotiating an annual raise, you know, okay, we're going to start paying you 30 an hour. Right. Because that back then that was (laughs) a lot of money, you know, um, you know, we're going to bump you from 27 to 30 an hour Mm -hmm. and it hadn't, there was no relationship in your mind to what you were doing. Right. It was just, oh, here's the next contract we have for you. Right. And they would then, you know, you do go through an interview again with that client, but it wasn't like, nowadays where a recruiting company doesn't know you, they call you up, they think you, you know, on a, over the phone, they decide that you meet the requirements and they set up a meeting between you and the client. It wasn't like that at all. I mean, I went out to the the consulting company and had two interviews with them. Yeah. And when we were done, the, you know, the president of the firm said, I'm offering you a job now. Yeah. And he said, we do have a contract. And they did have a contract already right. in mind for me because right. the whole thing had been kind of set up by some people who knew some people who needed somebody, but um, they, you know, they were hiring me as their employee. And yeah, it was kind of cool that way. Huh. That's really interesting. Contrast that with most like contracting companies today, like gun.io is one that we really like. We're, yep. we're, we're on gun. Nobody's an employee. I no. mean, maybe maybe they have That's some administrative or whatever, but their whole model is that they use subcontractors. So they're the main contractor, and they use independent contractors as subcontractors. But their work. big thing is, is all of their subcontractors don't want to be employees, right? You know, you're there because right. you don't want to be an employee of either them or the company. And, I and you got can transition. Mileage. Oh, you did? Yeah the con- huh. the contracting company basically. You know, once they got your contract, yeah, it's okay. It's 22 miles from your house to there. Yep. Or from our office, you know, wherever they figured that. But 
every week it was like, okay, five days times this many miles times 18 cents. Were you working, were you working in the client's office? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I, I, I miss it because they, it was a very, it was a small group. Yeah. Probably about 12 people in the firm. And what they were sending you out to was stuff they already, you know, they knew the client. They already had a little bit of a relationship with them. Yeah. They, they were looking out for you. Right. They, I never, they never sent me to a place where it was like, oh God, this is not for me at all. <laughs> it was, oh yeah. Yeah. It was step right in. Yeah. And be comfortable. Yeah. I miss that. Huh. Cause it wasn't, it was, it seemed like everybody was looking out for everybody. They were, they wanted the client to be happy. They wanted you to be happy. Yeah. They, you know, they had little get togethers every month or two mm-hmm. at some tech, you know, Denver tech center bar on a Friday afternoon to yeah. get the group together. Yeah. Huh. Hmm, I miss that. I, I what I, happened to that guy. I can't help but wonder if because of this law in California, if more companies like that aren't going to start popping, p- popping up. Where you work oh. for the company and that company contracts that you out the, to Google. That leaves the client with the flexibility of pay, of not having to predict Right. Pay. They can do short-term things, but you can still be an employee of somebody. Right. Yep. And so huh. you can go, you know, that group hopefully can get enough contracts. Everything comes out in the in wash. In the wash, they, yeah. Mm-hmm. They can afford to do the benefits so, and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Interesting. Oh, so you have an Uber sub, a driver company. Yeah. Interesting. But then, you know, obviously that everyone, every time you had a, a layer like that, you cut into somebody's yep. cut. Right. And Uber and would prices go, go up. Reduces and, the the efficiencies in, in, their, in their model for sure. Yeah. Their model is already a money losing model. I yeah. know. Anytime you, yeah, let's take more money from a money loser. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. <laughs> That's how America works. <laughs> that We call that a unicorn. Profiting, profiting off the misery <laughs> of others. Um. So it is consistent revenue that you can predict necessary to hiring employees. My guess is not necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've, if you've got a guy or a gal that is just, they're, they're killing it and you can't necessarily pay for them, but you feel like they're the value that they bring can help you reach the point where you can get enough revenue to pay for them, then maybe that that's a good time to go ahead and hire them because you yeah. don't want to lose them. I mean, yeah. if they're bringing that much value and you yeah. get along that well, um, and they do their job that well, then maybe Build that's... Build it and the money will come. Build it and they will come. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess we can lurk, look at companies like WeWork and Uber and Lyft and everybody. I mean, they have tons of employees and don't make money. Right. So clearly that's not a rule of thumb. Sure. But... We also have known companies that we won't mention their names that couldn't make payroll and the owners and directors of those companies were taking home lots of money. Right. <laughs> so but don't do that. Don't do that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting qu- query. So what are some what are some common things that people hire contractors for? Obviously, like development services. That's something mm. where if you're not primarily a technology company, maybe you can get away with developer, you know, like contract developers for a long time or contract IT or contract DevOps. When I was growing up, contractor meant a guy that came and worked on your house and built your house. Yeah. And it still does. A general contractor Mm -hmm. is, is that, um, what about customer service? 
a lot of companies hire hire like either contracting companies or companies that provide these types of services. They just be they outsource yeah. the the customer service. Yeah. yeah, is contracting and outsourcing the same thing? To me, outsourcing is going to a company kind of like it's along the lines of what Grant was just saying, where they go to the company that specializes in providing those services and pretends to be that company. Yeah. Or more like a company that kind of manages the whole department, so to speak, where they they kind of take over the the leadership of a particular effort. Yeah. Yeah. You can think of the the food vendors at 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 Mile High and that sort of thing. I, you know, Mile High doesn't run all of that. They they outsource oh, that to another company. I see. I see. So those companies might be contractors, but probably yeah. all the people, but maybe the people who work for those companies, they might be contractors, but they might be employed. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. And that, in that particular scenario, my understanding is a lot of those, the people that are actually giving you your hot dog, they themselves are not full-time or even part-time employees. They are contractors, sort of contractors with this for seasons, this outsourced vendor. Right. You know, huh. that's, that's kind of a weird situation. I imagine that doesn't happen often. Uh, maybe it does. So let's talk for a second about the perception that uh, when, when, when you're hiring an employee versus when you're, versus when you're talking to a contractor, trying to compare those things apples to apples by saying, oh, well, I can hire a full-time person for 90000 a year, but this contractor wants $120 an hour. Those two things really aren't the same. And it's not that the contractor is actually more expensive because when you think about what you have to have when you have an employee, you have to pay a payroll service, you have to pay payroll taxes, you have Mm -hmm. to pay half of the uh, employment tax, which is 15%, I think, 7.5% of that is paid by the employee, 7.5% of it is paid by the company. That is that that 15% of their cash salary? Yes. Okay. 15% 15% of their wage. Cash money? Cash money. <laughs> so, and then if you offer any kind of benefits, so really you what what you're trying Employee to weigh. with benefits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Different than friends with benefits. Different kinds of benefits. Um, so really when you're weighing employee versus contractor, breaking it down and saying per hour, just on an hourly salaried basis really doesn't actually give you the full picture of what an employee costs you. I always heard double it. Yeah. It was kind of a simple way. I've heard that too. Yeah. Simple way of determining it uh, often in the context of, Hey, I'm wanting to go out and be a freelance contractor. How much do I charge? Exactly. Often it's just take your salary, take your salaries hourly rate and double it. Because you then have to pay for your own benefits. You're, you're own, not getting paid vacation. You're not getting right. sick time. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, and, and as a, you know, coming from the perception of an entrepreneur trying to figure out which of these people to hire, mm-hmm. you have to think about all that stuff. I mean, we talked about work culture and we talked about benefits and things like that. And what kinds of stuff do you have to give to people if you hire them? I got all the free snacks I want in my kitchen. <laughs> I remember though, when um, I did completely independent work back in the, the aughts, um, like the first year when we looked at my taxes at the end because of all the, you know, deductions that I put in for different various things, mileage and all that stuff, um, I paid a rate of effective rate of 12%. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. So that was cool. I was yeah. like, okay. My taxes, my know. tax rate went down. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't making as much as I was at a salary job, but 
I was paying so I was paying, you know, less than half the tax rate probably. So I was still keeping two thirds of what I used to make at a salary job. Right. Right. It's just, it's really interesting. How, is there a rule of thumb when to hire contractors versus employees? Not that I've ever heard, but I would imagine it would be probably when you can pay for them. Yeah. When you have enough work to pay for them. Yeah. But that's not, as we sort of ter- determined before, that's not always practical. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So. Interesting. What are, what are the, what are the cons to, to uh, contractors versus employees? Like what are, what are the cons of each one? I mean, with employees, you definitely have more liability because you become responsible when they act as you, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas an independent contractor, there's always some contract you can point to that says, here's, you know, I mean, still your company becomes liable in a lot of ways and especially the way a lot of independent contractor agreements are written. Well, I I think to me, one of the significant things is what uh, Mr. Ali said at our job once about an offshoring team we were using and he said they don't have any skin in the game. Yeah. They don't care about the long-term success of the company or even the long-term viability. You know, we were in software and if you if you're writing a system that you're going to use as a flagship product for the next six, seven, eight, ten years, then you want it built well. Well, if you're hiring these guys who are going to be around for the first year to build it and they're walking away, they don't care. Yeah. You know, they they yeah. don't have the same stake about and their metrics are different. Right. That was something that we specifically ran into was, you know, they got paid for issues being closed and for tasks being completed. And it didn't matter if code was duplicated or, you know, there were edge cases that failed or, you know, it's like, I got the task done, move on. Right, right. And so, you know, even their people complained to me that we're conflicted here because we want to do a better job, but we're paid to just get stuff done. Right. Whereas with an employee and we, we've seen. He's got to live with it. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) this is Grant, this is how Grant operates, which is if he's got a half a day of downtime waiting for other people to get things done so he can keep going. He's looking for efficiencies in the system. Mm-hmm. He's looking for ways to make it better. And with a contractor, you don't necessarily feel like you can really do that. I worked at one job where um, there were, I don't know, say let's say five or six major subsystems being run and there were teams for each of these systems. But they had an on-call process where you would go on call for a week for all the systems. And the next week, somebody also go on call for all the systems. Mm. And what did that mean? Well, if it was an error in my system, I could fix it. If it wasn't, I always pretty much had to call somebody from another team in the middle of the night. Mm. And my, there were just two of us on my team. And um, I was kind of surprised he agreed with this, but I, I went to management and I said, we want to be on call permanently for our system. Oh. Because that, you know, that's our incentive to make this... These right. other guys, if they only, if, if, you know, they've got four people on the team, they only have to go on call, you know, yeah. as it rotates. So every 20, you know, every 12 or 18 weeks they go, they don't care if things break that much. No. It doesn't happen that often. Yeah. But if you're on call all the time for, for your, your system. Team, yeah. And, and my teammate was like, I totally like that. Yeah. Because we will make it bulletproof and when we're, you know, we'll be on call all the time, but it won't matter. But management didn't like that. They thought it was a cross training tool and I'm like you don't get trained being on call for something like that no (laughs) you go put a band-aid on the problem as best you can and then go back to sleep yeah put a band-aid on it and then hand it to the guy whose team whose problem it is yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and and yeah we were like 
if you make teams be on call for their product, you they've got big incentive to get that thing bulletproof. Yeah. We've got a client who um, has built a product and she used a company or a couple of independent contractors or something who are from Russia. And her original thing was built five or six years ago now. Mm-hmm. And you can tell by just what you were saying earlier, Grant, about how the the quality and the pride of ownership just isn't there. And it it's definitely showing wear and tear because she hasn't put money into continuing to forward the technology There's been no all along. one maintaining this. And, and code does sort of... It atrophies. Atrophy, yeah. Well, it because really does. it's not, especially when you're talking about an app because... The bits the, wear down. Yeah, yeah. Because the operating system, how often does Apple put out operating system updates? Every year. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, like all the time. Oh, oh yeah. Like just updates, bug fixes, sure, whatever. The and then and then if you Windows were... every six days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or in Grant's case, every day. <laughs> um, or when you when you look at, you know, you've used an external library or something that six years ago was all the rage and everybody was using it. And then a year later, it fell out of favor. And then a year after that, they don't maintain it anymore. Which in her case is a lot. A lot. There is a lot of libraries that a they lot. used that just don't. That they, you can you, you can look on GitHub and see the last time anybody touched any of this code was four years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and it's using libraries that Apple has, low-level libraries that Apple has been saying, this is deprecated. Yeah. And, you know, I had to tell her, there's going to come a point if you don't fix this, that, and you're not going to, you're, you're going to know a few months ahead of time. Right. But that's the, that's the most notice you're going to go. And then... You know, they're going to release iOS 14 and suddenly your app is just going to stop working. Or like a bunch of the apps that I used to have on my phone before iOS 12 came out, they next iOS 12 came out. I went to open those apps and they said, this doesn't run on your phone anymore. Yeah. And, you know, side note here, sidebar, (laughs) Apple notified everybody almost two years ago, over two (laughs) years ago, 18 months to two years ago, they were deprecating 32-bit support. Yeah. In Mac OS Catalina, the one that's out now. Yeah. And yet you still have companies like, small companies like Adobe. <laughs> Mom and pop shops who haven't updated. How do you not? I just don't, I don't, I don't understand know. it. Yeah, I don't get it either. I don't get it either. But it, this kind of goes back to our point, yeah. right? Where you have, it, it's. So, so it seems like if you are a company and, and because we know technology and that's what, that's you know, our, our entrepreneurs are all usually working in some sort of non-technical space, but developing technology that helps build the idea that they have in that non-technical space. You can't have an app company or a technology company that doesn't have an invested technologist. Right. You know, whether, you know, for us, the reason that our incubator clients get so much out of us, even though technically we're contractors, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a limit to our term and whatever with people for the most part, we're invested in the company. Right. We don't make money unless they make money. So it's only in our best interest to make sure that if there's a gap or a hole or something that needs to get filled, we're doing that. Right. I mean, you could have a contractor relationship with the people doing the work tax wise and legal wise, but- you know, you got to be putting time into it. To. Yeah, exactly. That's the guy that you use for so much that you've got almost an employee relationship yeah. in terms of how much they care and yeah. how involved they are. Yeah. And you just have to look at the amount of time that you're paying for their hourly rate and could you save money and would they be willing to 
come I mean, on full time, you know? In this discussion, I mean, if you take out the cost of employees, you know, the, the comp- comparing costs, I'd rather have an employee. Yeah. Because yeah. there's just more. Yeah. I just be- feel like they care more. Well, they do care more. And if you need them to like pitch in and do something else, it's not like, oh, we have to negotiate a whole nother. It's like, hey, I know that you are the executive assistant and the executive office manager and, and you like answer phones and you handle meetings and all that kind of stuff. Cynthia seriously needs somebody to go let her dogs out. Can you just run to her house and do that? <laughs> She's saying that, but th- that scenario actually happened. It did. It did. So when and I, I was hired, the one letting her dogs out, <laughs> I hired Daryl and Grant. We had uh, at, at this company we used to work for, we had a huge security breach. Our like half of our servers and our client sites had gotten hacked. We were in the process of shutting everything down. And I looked at the clock and realized that I had completely missed the time I was supposed to leave to go home and let my dogs out because I crate my dogs during the day. And I looked at Daryl and I was like, between the two of us, it's probably going to be less obvious if you leave right now because I was, but I had to go pick my kids up from school. and, And you also had to get your kids from school. And so I was like, would you be willing to? And I was like, I know this is weird and you can say no. And he was like, yeah, no, it's totally fine. But that's the kind of thing that you can't do that with a contractor. Right. <laughs> the contractor is at, very, at, at, at best going to go, yes, I'm ch- doubling my rate yeah, for exactly. going to let your dogs out. Your bulldogs <laughs> who don't know me, <laughs> who are very sweet bulldogs, by They the were way. very sweet bulldogs. I wonder if there's a middle ground here though. And I feel like this doesn't get used very often and I'm curious why, which is set up a retainer system with your contractor so mm. you're paying him or her a, 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 you know a lower rate or whatever you know $1,500 a month I don't know and it's kind of a use it or lose it but right. they're there when you need them well this goes back to so the the first company that I had in LA in a, the LA area mm-hmm. um, was a contracting company and I had employees but my company was a contractor and so the way that we built our contracts with our clients was essentially a maintenance contract. Mm -hmm. And so they paid for the year, a certain amount, and then anything that they needed, if they didn't use it, that was, that was up to them. They still had to pay that that rate and included a certain number of hours. And then if they went over that number of hours in a month, then they had a lower uh, hourly rate for the work that they needed done because they had the maintenance relationship with us. And so that helped us make sure that we always had the money we needed to hit payroll every month. But also if our employees had to go above and beyond for a client or something like that, usually that would be outside the scope and then we were getting extra money. And so it all worked out. And your clients also had that sort of peace of mind to know that they could call you at any time. That's right. And, and, and if it fell into whatever bucket they had, you know, negotiated their contract with us, it wasn't going to cost them anything extra. Right. You know, that they also had a planned expense. Um, it kind of makes me think of there There was a client. So uh, the same company that we used to work for, we had a client that's a big client in the entertainment industry and they had paid a huge lump sum like 10 years before to have this product built for them. And then they were paying like 400 bucks a month or whatever for the company to host it for them. And it include no maintenance of the product. There weren't changes being made. And like we were saying earlier, that code started to atrophy when we went to them and said, hey, we're going to change our model where you don't have to, you're not buying the code anymore. You're actually licensing, you know, a SaaS platform from us, but your fees go from 400 bucks a month in hosting to $5,000 a month for the platform and all of its features. 
she actually was like, yes, that's amazing because she's been trying to figure out a way to get an extra two hundred dollars or $300,000 into her budget for years to fix this platform that she's so heavily reliant on. But it's real easy for her to give me 60000 a year and let me worry about it. Oh, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, and so for us, like going to her with that, it was like, wow, we're taking her from $600 a month to more than 10x. Right. And for her, it's a lot easier for her to put $60,000 a year into her budget. In fact, she already has it than it was for her to go find 300 grand to fix her software problem. Yeah. So it's when, especially when you're dealing with big, big companies and corporations like that, there, there's some manipulation of like budgets and funds that make this, this, all of this goes to why you have to understand the problem you're solving, who you're solving it for, does your solution resonate and how do you price it? How do you make money? Yeah. You have to understand all that stuff from the very beginning. Otherwise you end up in a world where you never make money and people aren't getting value or both or one of those things is true and it's just not sustainable, mm. you know? That was an interesting scenario too because I, I remember you saying there was another client who who at first didn't get it and, and they said something about, do you mean that all of the features that I request I'll be paying for and our, our, uh, the, your other clients will be getting it. And you were like, yeah, but the same will be happening to you. They're going to be requiring requesting features that we will build that you will automatically get. Yeah. For no extra charge. Yeah. And they were and like, was this light bulb Oh, moment. yeah. <laughs> you know how right now you call us and we put together a proposal and it's 50 or $75,000 in order to give you that thing you wanted. That won't happen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> light bulb. Light bulb. <sighs> All right. So in, in the decision to hire an employee versus a contractor, this really comes down to how, how mission critical is this function to your business? How much is it going to cost you one way or the other, making sure that you aren't just looking at an hourly rate, but the total cost of something. And if there's somebody that's really good at something that you need somebody to be really good at, you should give up your own salary if it means it makes your company better. Um, and I don't think a lot of people do that. Uh, we Probably we have uh, one of our one of our guys um, who's one of our entrepreneurs who we talk about all the time, William at Pup Tech. He does that all the time. He he is constantly like self sacrificing to make sure that the people who are on his team who do an amazing job moving him forward to make sure that they're taken care of first. He's, he is. And that's another reason why he'll win. He yep. really will. He really will. Um, so, uh, that's what we think about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this has been another episode of incubate this with Grant parks, Daryl Brogdon and Cynthia Deloria from Rika technologies and got an And, uh, we will see you guys next time. That's what she said. Looking for more tips, tricks, and advice for your startup? Visit us online at gotanappidea.com. 